You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music! <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Brent Simmons. On the line with me today is Scotty Jackson, who you probably know from the Nested Folders podcast that he does with Rose Orchard. Say hello, Scotty. Hello, Scotty. Also with us today is a guest co-host, Aaron Sheriff. Did I pronounce that right? Sheriff. Pretty good. Won't someone please turn that share off? That's how I remember it. (laughs) Aaron is a support human at Omni, and he wrote and performed the theme music for this show. Say hello, Aaron. Hello, Aaron. All right. So this is the part where we make stuff up. That was our script. Now we're winging it. Awesome. Scotty, what do you do for a living? So I work for a large telecommunications company in Canada, and we also do a lot of work enabling technology in sectors that aren't commonly associated with telecom and network connectivity. So we do stuff with health, we do stuff with agriculture, we do stuff with smart cars, all kinds of things with connectivity to help connect Canadians with each other and with the rest of the world. And your official job title is a manager of information services. Sure. And I I bet that means you just wear a lot of hats. Kind of. So I work in what would probably be best understood from the outside as a corporate communications business unit. And so I work to support the build of our internal network, our internal intranet, and also a lot of content management and content publishing on our public.com. And we also do a lot of strategic consultation around how to build the best sort of digital experiences internally for our fellow team members. Hmm. How big is the company? Roughly, we're about 30,000 strong. Jeez, Omni is smaller. (laughs) Slightly. That's, yeah, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff to do. Wow. It's a lot of fun, though, because you get to work with a lot of people. I've actually been with the company, I just turned 20 back in January, which was like two and a half months ago now. Mm-hmm. So I got to reflect on, you know, how many different job titles I've had and areas that I've worked in. And it's really cool because, you know, you can be in the same organization for a long period of time, but you can do a lot of different things and meet a lot of different people. It's pretty outstanding social, you know, experiment that way. So when did, when did you start using OmniFocus to keep things going at work? I fell backwards into OmniFocus. I got my first Mac in 2005 and it was... At that time that I was just sort of giving up on, you know, having a PC and all of the fun that went along with that, you know, I was Mm -hmm. a a performance maniac. So I'm like nuking and paving my drive every six months. And I'm like, I I quit. I give up. I'm buying a Mac. So it wasn't even enough to defragment your hard drive. You, You actually nuked it and paved it over. Oh, oh, every six months. Because I don't know. I just found that like, Windows was like that back in the day. I, mm-hmm. it's, maybe it's maybe it's better now. I, I don't I, I don't know, but I think it was Tiger was the OS at the time, and it came packaged with Omni Outliner. Mm-hmm. So it was about that time too that I had also had GTD introduced into my life, and I was following Merlin Mann's forty three folders, and you know carrying around index cards, and and then I discovered KGTD with the Kinkless GTD Apple scripts for Omni Outliner. Oh yeah, I was amazing, and then that turned into OmniFocus and. Ever since here I am with some experimenting with some, you know, paper digital combination systems on the side, but it's mm-hmm. mostly been all OmniFocus all the way since it was launched. Didn't we used to call um, the hipster PDA 
when you carry it around right. like index cards or whatever, small notebook. I can't even remember now. And you have to have like really stylish binder clips, right? Like this is oh yeah the, the rookie move to just have your basic black. You need to have you know like red with like an ampersand on it or something, mm-hmm. something like sure. That. Yeah. Right. And depending on how ironic you want to be, the ampersand might be Comic Sans. <laughs> I don't think anyone's that ironic anymore. Can you, is Comic Sans still allowed? I think it's come full around and now it was used ironically and now it's used unironically and mm-hmm. now it's like double negative switchback ironic. Oh, gosh. It's, it's tough to keep track. We should redo the website. <laughs> there's, a, there's your April 1st move. Oh, gosh. Yeah, is this coming out before or after April 1st? Uh, a month before. Uh, Bummer. Still got time. Yeah. That's right. The future is right ahead of us, really. <laughs> so what did you like about OmniFocus? Uh, Kinkless came out. You liked that. OmniFocus came along. I liked that it taught me to think in two really discrete ways about my stuff, I guess. you know, One is, here are the projects I have. Here are the commitments I have. And then two, here are my actions about those commitments. And then past that, it just becomes like this massive database to inventory all of my things in different ways so that I can look at it and see what's relevant, but also see what's not. So OmniFocus's big appeal to me is the ability to hide all of the hundreds and hundreds of things I do not wish to see right now so -hmm. that I can really look at the 10 things that I really do want to see right now. So the focus part is critically important. Yeah. Weirdly, though, I don't think I ever actually used the focus feature. I think, especially now with the like mega perspectives that were introduced in OF3. Custom perspectives? Custom perspectives that have all of the different conditions in them. I can say, okay, mm-hmm. show me the things that are due, but also the things that are flagged and available, but also the things that are tagged in this particular way and available. So that I've got like this prioritized list of here are the things that I really want to look at next. Mm-hmm. And I can keep managing myself that way. And I don't have to worry about all the things that do not meet those conditions. Speaking of next, I saw a um, YouTube video of you talking about your workflows. And you have a perspective called next. I do. Tell me about that. That was probably a Tim Stringer's Learn OmniFocus uh, mm-hmm. session yeah. that I had the opportunity to participate in. And Tim's fantastic. He's doing great work in, in showing people how to get the best out of OmniFocus. My next perspective has evolved a lot over time. What I've found that I'm using it for most now is to look at things that are not tagged because I'm now using tags more as limiters rather than descriptors. Hmm. So when tags were first introduced, I thought, oh, this is great. I can apply metadata to all the things. Here are the calls. Here are the emails. Here are the instant messages. And here are all the people. Um, And then it occurred to me that I was using tags a too much and too liberally. I had, I had too many of them and and using looking at a list of any given particular tag was not fruitful. You know, like turns out that, you know, looking at just a list of available instant messages that I could send to one particular person isn't a great list to have. That's just not valuable. So I instead use tags as a way of saying, here are things that I can't do just about anywhere. Since I pretty much always have my phone and odds are my iPad's not far away and eh, probably my Mac is around too because I work remotely. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are the things that I can't do in, in that sort of situation? So that's where tags like, you know, being connected to a corporate network or being in a particular location like 
running errands or or being around particular people. That's where tags I find are really useful because I can say basically a tag is like a reason why I'm not doing something right now. Hmm. Hmm. In that sense, it's very close to GTD contexts. It is, except that it's also multidimensional, right? right? So I can say, here's a thing that I, I need to be connected to the corporate network to do, but I also need to be connected to the corporate network at the same time as my boss, because we're going to be working on something collaboratively. So I've got two different kind of contexts that act as like a bit of a Venn diagram. Okay. Interesting. That seems like that'd be a useful way of thinking about it because I think, you know, when this feature got introduced and it opens up all these horizons, it's kind of like... If you were to move into a mansion, you have all these rooms available and you say, oh, I have all this space. I could do whatever I want with it. And mm-hmm. you don't have any kind of framework for putting stuff here or there. And then you end up in a mansion where every room is a mess. Right. So logically, you get that. And the first thing you do is abuse it because, right. Right. because human nature kicks in <laughs> so fast. And, and yeah, I, th- I think I, I've heard a lot of stories of people going through that sort of arc of here's how I thought I would use tags. And then here's how I'm actually using tags. And all of them are super relevant. All of them totally employ all the abilities of having, you know, multiple tags and that change moving from OmniFocus 2 to OmniFocus 3, but in, in such nuanced and discreetly important ways. What goes into your next perspective? What are your rules there? So that's going to be all the stuff that is untagged. So mm-hmm. I have said I have not deferred it to another point in time, and I have not tagged it in a way that says I can't do this you know, basically whenever. Mm-hmm. So that leaves all of this sort of untagged stuff, but that isn't in the inbox. So I've at least assigned it to a project. It means it's a processed action. So I've, right, I've taken the time to, to think it through, right? It belongs mm-hmm. to a project. I have hopefully given it enough enriched naming so that I'll know what it means later. It isn't just like the number 54 or something silly like that, <laughs> but it actually has a thought out and processed action about it. And it belongs to a project. So we're going to sprinkle in listener questions along the way. Sprinkles. Sprinkles of listener questions. First one is from Ryan Dotson, and he asks, what's your usual Tim Hortons order? (laughs) Thank you, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Let's embrace a little bit of Canadiana. Uh, uh, I mean, I was a double-double guy all the way, but, you know, in the spirit of new year, new me, and for the last three months, I've been, you know, being very thoughtful and mindful about what I'm ingesting. And so now I would say it is a lightly sweetened steep tea. Hmm, okay. That's, that's a new year, new you. Very that's cool. That's right. A yeah. new leaf. So what actually is a double-double? A double-double would be two cream and two sugar. Okay. Okay. Is that, I, I, that's sort of like lingua franca here, I guess. It's funny. What, what you don't realize isn't you know, common vernacular in, in all places all the times. Oh, sure. Yeah, I don't think we have, I think there are some Tim Hortons in America. I've never or come across were. one. Yeah. Yeah, up near, uh, I think like northern Michigan, there might be some. Mm. Uh, There's some in the east, yeah, Buffalo or something like that. Yeah, when you mentioned Double Double, the only kind of connection I could make in my head was In-N-Out Burger, which uh, I think a Double Double is two patties and two slices of cheese. and. Uh. I, I can imagine that being a hard daily order. Like, <laughs> I can't start my morning without double cheeseburger. I can't wake up without oh double double. Yeah, Here in America. That is amazing. I remember I went with my then fiance, now wife, 
to visit my brother who lives just outside of Portland, but we met in LA and I saw that there was a Carl's Jr. was advertising a full pound burger. And I was just like oh. thinking that was, that's amazing. I'm totally having that for breakfast. And that was, you know, a regrettable choice, but I mean, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> tuition value. I learned something. <laughs> yes. So enough Tim Hortons. Let's get back to OmniFocus. Shortcuts. Shortcuts. You like shortcuts. Tell me about shortcuts. What are you doing with shortcuts? Holy smokes, I'm a big fan of shortcuts. I yeah, think shortcuts are, are really neat because they give a connectivity between all of my stuff that's in OmniFocus and the rest of the world. So I've got ways of putting stuff into OmniFocus and then ways of getting stuff out of OmniFocus in really neat new ways, thanks to the new actions that have been introduced. So most recently in 3.5 was add task paper to OmniFocus, mm-hmm. which is really cool because then I can, you know, if I'm in the mood to just sit down and map out like this new idea that I've had, I can just nerd out and write like in drafts. I can just write in task paper format and then click a button and bloop, it goes right into OmniFocus, all formatted with, the, with tags, flags, dates, and assigned to the right project, which is really awesome. Oh, that's um, tremendous, yeah. I've got a daily journal shortcut that I use, and that takes all of my forecast tagged, flagged, and do items out of OmniFocus and puts them in a note in the Agenda app alongside weather and a list of my calendar items for the day so that I've got kind of a journaled record of whatever it was I thought I was going to do in a particular day. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'll blow it up within an hour, but at least... Oh, sure. But you start with something. That's right. Yeah. First start, then fail, then try again. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Agenda and Drafts are both some very beloved apps. Is there support for shortcuts and automation? Pretty solid too. Agenda, as of the time of this recording is very much able to be interfaced by shortcuts, but only through URL schemes. Okay. So they don't have any native shortcuts actions, but their URL scheme library is quite rich. So oh, you okay. can make projects and notes and append to notes and all of these various different things through URL schemes. So it's, it's, it can be a little bit tedious mm-hmm. to, to build, but then once it's built, rinse, wash, repeat. Yeah. Wash, rinse, repeat. I, I'm just so amazed that automation has become such a big deal on iOS because it was so lacking there for so long. But now a whole ecosystem is forming and the dream of connecting various apps together is is coming together there. We've had that for years on the Mac, but it's great to see it on iOS. Absolutely. And, and in this format that I can use, because I'm not a developer, I'm not a programmer, I can't write code, I'm not savvy in those ways, but I can figure out a URL schema, but that's probably like the top, that's my about my ceiling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your health schemes, but if it can allow me to do that sort of thing, well, that's that's really impressive, and we can move away from just being owners of two thousand dollar supercomputers that fit in our pants pockets and just using them to make phone calls. Right. Shortcuts like this part of uh, how you communicate with other people. Do you have, for instance, a shortcut that puts stuff together and then you know makes an email or puts something on the internet? Yeah, I have a couple. The most robust one that I have that took me quite a while to make, but was so worth it. It takes a notification email that I get when 
an internal team wants to work with my team, they, they'll do like a little project request and I'll get a notification email about it. Mm-hmm. And that email will you know, have a readout of, you know, here's who it is and here's what they want done and here's when they want it by and here's how they are funding it and so on and so forth. My shortcut will take that text, use a web API to put that content into our online project management tool that our team shares. And then it will also drop a note to myself in Agenda with all of that stored against a new project in Agenda for that project. And it'll create a project in OmniFocus and a set list of tasks in OmniFocus that belong to setting that up. So it builds out this project in those three apps and then crafts an email back saying, I've got your project. Here's who on my team I'm assigning it to. And they're going to be in touch and it CCs the assigned team member And then a second email is also generated to the team member that I've assigned the work to saying, you know, here's a link to the online task manager task that has been created about this project for you. Wow, that's tremendous. So when I did a little bit of time in motion study, doing all of those things manually, including, you know, putting all of the appropriate tidbits in the appropriate fields and so on, probably about a half an hour and now mm. it executes in under 30 seconds. Ah, so yeah, that's wild. That was a really beneficial couple of days of building a shortcut because mm. that, I mean, I go through that process, you know, four or five times a week. That's so gratifying. I mean, at Omni, we basically live for taking things that would take you half an hour and turning it down into 30 seconds. I mean, that's like, that's, that's wonderful. Oh, totally. My other preferred way of formatting stuff in OmniFocus database is to prepare for a meeting that I'm having with either my boss or a member of my team. So I can say, you know, hey, OmniFocus, give me all the tasks that are tagged with so-and-so's name, format them into a nice list and draft an email about them with some intro and outro text saying, hey, here are the things that I want to talk about the next time we're meeting or when we meet later today. And then I can run the shortcut as a preparatory step for that. Ah, nice. Hmm. So we have another listener question. This one's from Eric Bowers. He asks... If you could give OmniFocus a nickname, what would it be and why? That's a very creative question. My initial thought was master. Um, (laughs) But then I thought, no, damn it, slave. And then I realized it's kind of my partner because it's tapping me on the shoulder and reminding me like, hey, hey, Scotty, here's here's the stuff you got to be doing. I have very high self-management requirements. Mm-hmm. And OmniFocus is kind of the one thing that I've found that can achieve those in the absence of my wife being omnipresent and a stern look. <laughs> the stern look. The stern so look. OmniFocus gives you the stern looks. <laughs> gives me the, that's right. It gives me the opportunity to like not earn the stern look by yeah. saying like, hey, Scotty, don't you remember? You kind of committed to this stuff. Uh-huh. Don't you think you better be doing that stuff? Uh-huh. Hmm? Cut it out with all that podcasting and do your work. (laughs) Real work. Given Mm -hmm. that you've been using OmniFocus since the Kinkless GTD days, how much of your database has carried over from that original version of your use of the app? Oh, none. And I think that's a blessing. I wrote a blog post in January about how I completely redesigned my folder architecture and what all the folders mean to me in terms of how I group my projects. And I think having the flexibility of moving stuff around that easily has been huge. I think about things in entirely different ways now than I did then. 
both philosophically and tactically too, because I mean, then I was working as an operations manager in a contact center. So the kinds of projects and the kinds of responsibilities that I had were, were entirely different from the kind of work that I do now. And then, you know, over the years, there's been more traditional project management type roles. So again, you know, my use of OmniFocus changed. So the way I organize and store and think about things and having the ability to be okay with those changes, that's a pretty welcome feature. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty natural. It mm-hmm. you, what you want to do changes over time, and so just because you have an idea at some point that something's going to be important to you, your priorities change. It's just kind of a natural with the progression of time. I think. Yeah, and people's roles change often enough, kind of mandating that kind of change. And I think again, like I think, like I say, I have high self management needs. I'm I'm thinking about my process a lot. And so I think I'm constantly sort of iterating on, you know, some of the nuances of that. I think I wrote at one point about how I agonized over the forecast tag in OmniFocus and what to call it because words matter. And so Mm -hmm. for a while, the tag was called next, but then I realized, well, that's creating a lot of cognitive dissonance for me because I can't do 10 things next. So which one is next? Which one of the next is next? Mm. So then I called it today because I thought that sounds nice, but then, you know, 10 a.m. rolls around and you look at this list of five today things and you realize, okay, well, that's not today. So why does it mean that? Uh, so now I've just changed it to a star. Which oh, <laughs> I, sure. I've, I've given up on using words and just star to imply uh, uh-huh. some sort of subjective meaning. Right. You could have just literally called it forecast. Honestly, I'm probably going to do that after this show. <laughs> <laughs> I like the simplicity of the star, though. I think that's cool. It's kind of neat because if I hit the space bar in the tag field, it defaults to that because oh. it's also the top tag in my hierarchy. Oh, nice. Ooh, now it's a feature. Yeah. So I don't know if that's on purpose or if space bar just goes to the top tag. Now I don't know. Yeah. It's one of those things I know when I'm actually using the app, but to sit and talk about it, I, I don't know. <laughs> I hope that everybody listening right now is trying this as we're yes. hitting the space bar <laughs> and saying, oh, look at that. Yeah. yeah, that's our top tip for episode 57 is... Use space to autocomplete to your top tag. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So another listener question. Rose Orchard asks if dog-related tasks live in OmniFocus. I've heard of her. Yes, absolutely. I even have a whole folder called Areas. And in that folder, I have single action lists that pertain to all of my kids, Baxter the dog, home and household, car, car maintenance, finances, in GTD parlance, that would be like your 20,000 foot or, you know, horizon to kind of areas of focus, but that don't necessarily relate to a discrete, you know, trackable outcome that would have a parallel or sequential project. So, yes, dog-related tasks are in there. Buy mm-hmm. dog food. So do you use the review feature? How do you stay within the rails? Stay on the rails. Stay on the rails, yeah. The review feature, absolutely. If for no other reason than for me to make sure that I've looked at all the things. And so the fact that it counts <laughs> that it counts down for me. I mean, my favorite move apparently is to procrastinate like heck on doing the review and then just hitting, you know, like command A and setting the review date to today and then working through it. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. When I commit to doing a review, the review feature is fantastic because it stops me looking at everything all at once. Because I'll hide the sidebar, I'll hide the inspector, and I'm just looking at one thing at a time. And then I get the 
wonderful satisfaction of tapping the coffee cup. Yes. When I'm happy <laughs> with what I see here. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Between coffee cup and broom, there's a lot of good things going on in the interface <laughs> of OmniFocus. Yeah, I love those. And we've turned them into emoji reactions on the Slack group, too. We certainly have. Because people like them. Yep. I think it's the uh, prime minister's use of the coffee cup that is perhaps <laughs> one of my favorites. Ah, uh, yes. So Wilson NG, I think it's Ing, asks, do you ever say no to meetings? And would that reduce your OmniFocus inbox? Everything you say no to reduces your OmniFocus inbox. Mm-hmm. I think saying no is one of the most powerful things that you can do to make sure that you're meeting all the commitments that you've already got and, you know, keeping distractions at bay. In a large corporation, it can be hard to have that kind of agency over your own calendar. It kind of depends on the role that you're in. But I think that for everyone, it should be absolutely fair to be able to look at something that has come into your email inbox and question it and say, okay, I mean, anyone can send you any amount of email at any time. And in the corporate network, anyone can probably request you for a meeting at any time. So as long as your culture allows for it, you know, being able to say like, why are you inviting me? Do you need me for the whole thing? What is the role that you want me to play? Like, in what way am I going to add value here? And what value is there going to be for me by participating mm, in this? So that that's I'm not a super just good question to ask. Yeah. Beholden to the entire organization, right? You know, I work for an organization where there are 30,000 people. That means, you know, 29,999 could be emailing me, you know, whenever. Mm-hmm. So you just simply can't do that all. And I think saying no is, is critical and, and super important. But I can also understand that that's, you know, depending on your role and your tenure and the culture of your organization might also be really hard. So, I mean, your mileage may vary, but if not saying no, then, you know, certainly taking the time to reflect on and or maybe even challenge everything before clicking on the big green accept checkmark button, uh, I think is valuable. Mm -hmm. That's super good advice. So you've been doing a podcast with Rose Orchard which we mentioned earlier, um, and you're up to episode like 14, 15, probably more by the time this airs. By the time this airs, we're probably going to be closing in on 18. 18, wow. So how did that get started? Well, that got started in the OmniFocus Slack, really. Yeah, of course. And that's how Rose and I connected. I mean, it, certainly she's been doing amazing work with you know Mac Power users and then automators, for a long time and does a lot of awesome things in the automation community. But I'm, I met Rose through the uh, OmniFocus Originals group because we were the first, geez, I want to say like dozen or so people who got to try OmniFocus 3 when it first hit beta. Right, yeah. And we, we started on iOS, right? I think so, growing. yeah, that's right. And yeah. Mac came out in the fall, yeah. That's right. So we got to use all of the you know very early betas and chat with the great uh, support humans and engineering folks and uh, yourself and and Ken and and you know be a part of testing out you know OmniFocus three from its very early inception. It was a really cool experience, and you know because of how engaged I think that small group was, we developed uh, some great online friendships. There's a word for that. What's the word again, Aaron? 
Oh, uh, parasocial. No, that's not, that's not accurate here because parasocial relationships. Uh, we were talking before recording about the concept of knowing people on the internet, but that possibly being a one-sided relationship. Sure. I think the, the term was parasocial relationship. Hmm. I don't know if it applies here. I think that's more for like, if you see Taylor Swift post on Instagram and you see all of her pictures and you start to get the sensation, oh, I, I know Taylor. Taylor and I are, I, I feel mm. like we have a connection. We even go though, way back. Yeah, even though she has no idea who you are. Right. I yeah. think that's the the nature of that type of relationship. So, so this okay. is just a regular online this friendship. All, these are just yeah. online pals then. Yeah, okay, this right. is yeah, This right. is perfectly healthy. So yeah, so we, we talked about the idea of maybe doing a podcast probably about nine months or so. We talked about, you know, maybe doing this. And this is the beauty of the someday maybe list, I guess, you know, where things need to incubate for a little while before they can all kind of come together and the timing is right. And about nine months of humming and hawing, three months of, you know, really planning and getting down to brass tacks and then now now producing it for the last, geez, I guess, six, seven months. Mm -hmm. I really like the podcast. You you guys are, are great together. It's uh, informative. It's fun. And I recommend it to our listeners. Well, thank you. We have a really good time doing it. We, we enjoy it a lot. And it's on things that we care about talking about, too. So that's mm-hmm. what makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah. So on Twitter, Matthew Lee asks, my question is, if you could add one new feature to OmniFocus, what would it be? Oh, boy. Um I think the core feature set for me anyway is, is really there. The one thing that I would love to see, and I think has been hinted at in the 2020 roadmap as well, is a bit more ease of navigation, particularly on iPad. Mm-hmm. So uh, I look at Mac and it has uh, quick open, for example, as a way of you know quickly going to a tag or a project or a folder or a perspective. I would love to see something like that on iPad, you know, a, a way of quickly getting to a particular view or a particular list. Mm-hmm. I think that would be pretty awesome. You know, I have to agree. I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of quick open myself. So yeah, that'd be super useful. If I could have two. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> no, why not? It's a podcast. You can have as many as you want. Hey, oh now. boy. How long, have, how long have we got here? Hang on. We don't have another recording schedule till 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. Well, that's about all the time we had for the day. (laughs) (laughs) I I would love to be able to modify content through shortcuts as well. You know, even Mm -hmm. if it's like adding notes to an existing task or retitling a task or being able to, you know, grab a task or a list of tasks, you know, based on a certain condition, pull them out, modify them in a certain kind of way, and then put them back. Mm. Hmm. I see. Sure. So add a tag to every task that has the word refrigerator in it or something. Yeah. Right. Got it. We have another listener question. This again from Rose. She asks, what's the craziest task in your OmniFocus right now? (laughs) The craziest one. I end up with weird stuff in my inbox all the time. Right now I have Google dude who only eats bananas. (laughs) Okay. That's pretty good. I I met with my team (laughs) Back in February in Toronto, which is at the other end of uh, the country from where I am, and uh, one of one of my team members brought up that they had watched this video of this guy who lost a whole bunch of weight and apparently became a healthier version of himself by only eating bananas. And I thought that was um, bananas. 
So I'm going to, uh, that was a little on the nose, Uh, but I'm I'm going to look that up uh, at some point. So that's, uh, that's sitting in my inbox, Google dude who only eats bananas. He's not getting enough nutrition though. I mean, you really do need to mix stuff up. That can't be right. Like I don't, I don't understand how that works. I'm pretty sure people don't work that way. I think you need more nutrients than just what bananas have to offer. (laughs) Bananas are great, but only as part of a balanced diet. Part of a nutritious breakfast. Yeah, right. I mean, you still need your Rice Krispies or something. Yeah, up there with Eggos and Pop-Tarts. Yeah. Mm. Right. Mm. That's right. It's part, part, part of yeah. the balance. They're on, the, on the, the other side of the scale. I wonder if there's a dude somewhere who, whose entire nutrition for the day is just a steady stream of double-doubles. Oh. <laughs> Which oh kind? <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm thinking of American or Canadian. <laughs> the American well, version, there probably are. <laughs> just bounce back and forth between the two. If you live close enough to the border, I mean, that's a TLC special just waiting to happen. Yeah. What is the northernmost uh, In-N-Out burger? And what's the driving distance to the southernmost Tim Hortons? That's a good question. I'm sure it's still a long way because I don't think that there are In-N-Out burgers. Are they in Washington? There's none in Washington. They just Mm. opened up one sort of south of Portland, Oregon. There was one like on the southern border of Oregon between Oregon and California. And now it's sort of creeping up the coast. They also opened up ones in Texas, but that doesn't really get you any closer to yeah, no. the Canada no. border. The south of Oregon, that sounds like probably the closest. So that's what, six I mean, hours on a train from Vancouver? So, I mean, so it's no. doable. Yeah. The burgers are great, but I don't know if they're six hours on a train great. <laughs> yeah, then you have to come home and that was your day. That's right. <laughs> My, oh, my. Tell me more about Baxter. What kind of dog is he? Baxter is a bulldog boxer cross, and uh, we adopted him last summer, just towards the end of the school year. My wife and children, mostly my children, have been hounding me for the last five years. Can we get a dog? And I said, no, you got a little brother. Like, enjoy. Go <laughs> go, go, play. You can take him outside. He'll fetch. That's, that's right. <laughs> uh, Maybe. <laughs> he, well, he doesn't really listen. He's not very yeah. well trained. But sure. I finally gave in and then said, okay, let's, because my wife would, would constantly text me, you know, oh, look who's up for adoption at the local Humane Society. And I, no. <laughs> but then she texted me these two puppies that were part of a, a litter of seven that had come in to our Humane Society from Northern Alberta. And I said, well, I mean, we wouldn't be able to go on a summer vacation. My wife's like, don't be a jerk. And I said, no, 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 I'm not, not actually being a jerk right now. I'm actually trying to figure out like, could we do this? And so we decided we'll go. And she's like, okay, well, but we're just looking. I said, okay, I don't think you know how my daughter works. But, <laughs> you know, okay. Or how puppies work for that matter. So of course, in about 0.8 seconds, my daughter was forever in love with this puppy. And uh, yeah, that's how puppies work. Yep. Yep. And daughters. So, yeah. so we were, we were told he was a medium dog. Uh, and mm. here we are uh, as he is um, month 10 and, you know, goodly over 70 pounds oh boy he is no longer in the class of medium but mm-hmm. it's but it's fine i think i'm a con i think i'm a big dog convert he's a, he's a pretty good dog yeah that's fair you know that john wick meme of like dad doesn't want dog family gets dog anyway and then he's running guns a blazing with the dog on his head that's <laughs> not seen that's, it but that's basically me can we put that in show notes oh yeah absolutely yeah john wick meme okay <laughs> and a bulldog boxer. Wow. Now, how did you discover his passion for boxing? Uh, he is a very handsy, very handsy dog. 
Like I've I've not seen dogs use their paws like the way he does. But he, well, he does he wear the gloves or no? Oh no, he's a he's a bare knuckle fighter all the time. Oh way. okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, Marcus of Queensbury rules or or you know does he have any kind of a code he qu- goes by? Is that the queen's preferred? I, I think so. I think because I'm pretty sure he's a royalist. So yeah. Well, Mar- we'll give him that. He's Canadian. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of history there, hey? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Baxter. How how'd the name Baxter come to be? It was sort of the first name that the five of us didn't yell at each other in disagreement about. Mm-hmm. We named him before we'd adopted him, too, because we couldn't complete the adoption when we met him. They said it was too late in the day to do it. We had to go back the next day. So on the way home, it was guns ablazing. We were we were mm-hmm. throwing down names and that one we just kind of landed on. Yeah, it's a good name. Baxter the Boxer Bulldog. Yeah. Triple B. Well, thank you, Scotty. How can people find you on the web? On the web, I can be found at heyscottyj.com or on Twitter and Instagram by the same name. And then, of course, people can also join Rose and I at uh, nestedfolderspodcast.com, which is the home of our uh, nested folders endeavors. And frankly, people, you should listen to that podcast. It's quite good. I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And I want to thank Aaron for being our fine co-host this evening, afternoon. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Aaron. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music. (laughs) Thank you. That was beautiful. (laughs) 